Well, I'd like to add my welcome to you. Great to see you at King's uh, today on Father's Day. And uh, King's gathers across three sites. We have six meetings on a, a Sunday. It's great to speak at the uh, 11.30 meeting on the Capitite, which is the best meeting by far. Um, well, that's okay. I say that in every meeting I go to, if that just... Uh, <laughs> let's, let's be real here. Um, so it's Father's Day. I'm going to speak on honouring... Uh, fathers, I uh, uh, got up this morning and Deb and I were just reminiscing about um, our boys. I have three uh, sons, uh, now nearly 24, 21, and 16, just finishing his GCSEs this week. And we were talking about when they were little, the young ones, you know, do you remember that? Do you remember? Some of you are parents will remember that. And I once went on a trip to uh, China and I was coming back into Heathrow and Deb met me. And they were there, my two eldest, Ben and uh, Josh, in superhero pajamas. One as Batman and one as Superman with the cape. And as I came out, it was like a movie, it was I came out, they ran to uh, see their dad. Now they just ask, Dad, are you picking up the bill? I mean, that's that, but, but, but they ran and I embraced them and it was a great, great memory. When you speak about fathers, you're going to touch on deep emotions. Uh, When I uh, had been a pastor for about a year, I uh, went to visit a church in America. In fact, it was in Newport Beach in California. It's great. It was a lovely place. But I ended up in this room with a pastor older than me, and he, he asked me about my dad. He said, you know, tell me about your dad. His ministry was about helping guys especially kind of adjust to failure with fathers, where dads are let people down. And he asked me a couple of questions, and I've been very blessed. I'm very fortunate to have a very uh, positive and ongoing positive relationship with my dad. But I learned there that's not always the case. And so speaking on the issue of fatherhood, particularly in the scripture encourages us to honor fathers, which is what I want to do, is I just want to say I'm aware that for a number of you, you might not even know who your father is. So this is emotional. It's, in that sense, it's complex. Uh, some of you, maybe your father has recently passed away. And so, you know, the emotions are, are deep because of that. But the scripture exhorts us to honor our father. So let's just uh, remind ourselves of that. A fifth commandment, Exodus 20 says, Honor your father and your mother so that, will, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And the New Testament picks that up in Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 and says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on uh, the earth. Um, So today we're going to honor dads. I'm going to actually preach a message which basically is telling you about my dad and uh, what a great man and example he has been to me, this is my dad at his 80th birthday party in April this year. It was a big family occasion. This is my dad just sitting over here, his hand coming forward like that, and my mum to his left, and opposite, uh, this is Deb. You can see Deb, because everyone knows Deb from the back of her head, but she stands at the front of the meeting uh, here, and my brother, and uh, all the grandchildren are there with their other halves, and uh, we had a great day. Classic, my dad organized the event and paid for everything. Okay, that would be my dad. Uh, and after the meal, he stood up and he addressed the family. 
Okay? So he brought a, a speech. And he sp- spoke to each of us how proud he was of us, um, how he still loved mum. Uh, he then said to all the grandchildren, keep following God. Well done that you are following God. A real kind of uh, a, a moment for my family. It's quite moving. And then my brother and I, my brother leads a church in Bedford. We then responded. We, we got up and gave some testimony and honoured our dad. And it was a, a great thing to do. To honour someone is to respect them, to be grateful uh, for them. Uh, and uh, I want to ask this question today. I want to ask uh, for all of us. I say, can you think of one, at least one thing that you could be grateful for for your dad? Now, for one or two of you, that's, that's a stretch. But for most of us, we can think of one thing that we can honour our dads for. Um, my dad was born in London in 1936. And so he actually grew up in South Norwood, walking distance from Crystal Palace football ground. That is the reason. There's no other reason I support Crystal Palace, but my dad did, okay? And, you know, it was not a negotiable thing in my household. But he grew up, and at the age of three, the Second World War broke out. So think about that for a moment. His formative years were in the context of war. He loves to tell stories when we're all together gather together, we've heard it numerous times about the doodle bugs coming over. And now they go, pop, 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 and then you stop and wait. And that was his formative years. At the age of seven, he was evacuated because the V2s were coming in then. They thought the war was coming to an end, and so his parents, uh, my grandfather and my grandma, decided to send him away. So at the age of seven, he was separated from home for a year. I mean, just think if that had been your life story. He tells other stories of the first time he ever saw a banana. Yeah, never seen a banana. And the occasion he first went into a sweet shop and he could buy as many sweets as he would like. Because his whole life experience had been in the context of rationing. I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? He then did national service and loves to tell his grandchildren about when he flew in a Lancaster. I mean, that got respect from my boys. You've been in one of those? Yeah, I have. Um, sometimes we need to stand back and just become a little bit aware of our own parents' journey. Sometimes we're just focused on what they haven't done or have done for us or what they're going to do for us next. Occasionally, if you can, just zoom out and think about their journey and how that impacted them and how that might have explained some of why they're like they are. My grandma, my dad's mum, Grandma Alice, who died a number of years back now, um, was uh, a daughter of, uh, there were 13 siblings. And she, I heard her say on a number of occasions as I was in my teens, that her father was never the same after the First World War. Gone to the war, First World War, came back never the same. It's good sometimes to stand back, particularly as we all know that there are no such thing as a perfect parent, to be aware of their own journey and story. 
Um, I got the idea from this message from uh, Bill Hybels, who leads Willow Creek, when he tells some stories about his dad. And so I want to give due respect to him. Uh, so my dad is a fantastic dad, but he, didn't, he wasn't good at everything. So he doesn't know how to do DIY at all. So I grew up, what my dad did was he always got someone in to do that. Uh, he, he had a company car, so he didn't know where. I, I never knew where to put the oil in a car and things like that. So I'm absolutely hopeless at things like that because that's not what was modeled at home. But my dad has and still does have some great strengths. Um, let me tell you about a couple of them. Uh, my dad is generous. My dad is very generous. He is a person that will pick up the drinks. He... Uh, he will be quick uh, to carry financial responsibility. He was very open about money. I think, for me, it's partly to do with his upbringing. We had very little. He knows the value of money. And he also knows uh, that there are a whole range of other things other than money that gives you value. Because he, he lived without, with very little for the first probably 15 to 20 years of his life. But as he's worked hard and done well, he's become very generous. When I took an 80% drop in my salary to become a pastor, he gave Deb and I some money each month to help us get by. Um, he is very often paid for holidays. He says, it's, it's my way of keeping the grandchildren in touch with the grandchildren. I'll pay for the holidays. On one occasion, he paid for the whole of the family, there were 11 of us with our kids, to go to Florida I mean, this is serious money. He paid for all the flights, Disney and the whole thing. Some of you are thinking, man, I wish my dad was like that. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? That was, that, that's what my dad's like. He's a great dad. Um, when I first led this church, two years in, we set out on our first building project that bought this, uh, sort of built this auditorium at the back here. There was 200 of us. It was two million pounds. I found out later that my parents thought I might have got out of depth because I'd moved from Bedford to lead the church two years before. And I asked the church to double tithe. So we all double tithe to pay for the building project. And he phoned me up one day. He said, Steve, I'm really excited about what you're doing with the church. I want you to know we're going to double tithe as well. We're going to give a tenth to the church we attend. And mum and I want to give a tenth to kings to help you uh, build this auditorium. So my dad paid for those two bricks over there, okay? All right, okay. No, no, my dad, he probably paid for that whole wall, okay? All right? Uh, That is uh, the model I had. That's why when it comes to giving, uh, as you know, we give, Deb and I give well over 10% gross. We don't worry about the tax thing. We give to Caesar what is Caesar, and then we just give... We do that. Why? Why? Some of you sit there and say, oh, gosh, I can't believe he does that. No, I don't want to do it. Well, for me, I grew up with a model of generosity, both to people, to the family, and to God's church. And so it just seems normal to me. Um, he once said to one of his grandchildren, um, was my dad's quite a forceful character, unlike me, you know, gentle and things like that. He, he said, he said, he looked, he said, clogs to clogs in three generations. And we all go, where's he got that one from? Clogs to clogs in three generations. What do you mean, Pop? Well, you know, there's a saying, clogs to clogs in three generations. First generation works hard, starts with little, works really hard. Second generation, that's my generation, kind of realize that 
uh, actually things weren't always like this. There's a lot of hard work going on in, in gathering and saving and making good choices. I remember the first time we got a color television. As a boy coming home, there was a color telly. Now, I'm that old, okay? Some of you in the room, you go, yeah, I remember that. Where my kids, it's just all there for free. Yeah, it's just there. I just need, Dad, I need a new iPhone 6. You know, how can I relate if I haven't got my own iPhone? I won't be accepted at school. And I just, and they have got a brilliant gift of asking. And are you picking up the bill, Dad? And Dad, your dad was really generous, so why aren't you? And all those kind of things. They can do it all. They're brilliant kids. Come on, we're the adults. We're the adults. And my dad looked across to one of my sons. He said, clogs to clogs in three generations. Ooh. Ooh. Well, because if you don't know the importance of work and stewarding, you think it just comes too easy. These have been good foundations in my life. My dad is a family man and he loves mum. I've been fortunate to never grow up in the sense to think that my parents would split up. They occasionally disagreed. Uh, But my mum and dad met uh, when my mum was 12 and my dad was 15. They met on a church youth uh, trip down to Littlehampton. And my dad, I've heard this story so many times, came up to a group of girls and said, who wants to come on the pedlo with me? (laughs) There you go. And then my mum said, but I'll come with you, Brian. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. That's how they got together. When we were little lads, we, he would play with us. It was a great dad. To, he would play with us. We used to have a tra- tradition in my household. Saturday morning, we would jump into, uh, come into uh, uh, mum and dad's bedroom. And we'd dive in as little lads into the... Uh, mum and dad's bed and mum would always complain we used to love it she said oh gosh boys get out and she said no bundling because it'll ruin the bed and dad would <laughs> and we'd be off boom and we'd fight him and he'd always win and when we got older we'd always play sport with us in the garden, uh, garden which is that's why I'm so talented and gifted at all sports <laughs> just you know just had a dad that um, played with me um Probably the most grateful thing, and it's difficult, my dad is a great dad, because we're here honouring dads today, okay, was when he took a career change when I was 11. Now, this might surprise you, I was pretty wild at 11. I mean, I was pretty a wild kid. I'm, I'm, I'm not as bad as most of you, but I was pretty wild, I mean, some of you. I mean, so when I tell you how wild I are, you think, you call that wild? Yeah, it's tame, okay? I used to do things like that. When I got in trouble, I'd turn all the lights on in the house. I mean, I was that rebellious, okay? <laughs> all right? And I'd go into my mum's uh, dressing in their bedroom and knock everything off her dressing table. She didn't like that, so I found that out. So I used to do that, and she'd come in, and then I'd screw up all the neck curtains. Ah! Oh, yeah, I was really bad. I was really bad. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the Tibet household. I mean, I mean, I was that. I mean, it's, you know, God's grace. But seriously, what my dad did when I was 11, I didn't find this out until a lot older, he changed his career. He was in marketing for a big American company called DuPont. He changed his career and worked in HR for five years so he could be around at home. Wow. 
I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm grateful that he took a decision to prioritize me and the family over his career and financial gain. Mm, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, And uh, he's always loved mum. And mum still laughs at his jokes. I mean, oh, come on, mum. I mean, and, and because she does, he cracks them time and time again. And so we have to listen to them and... But he valued and modeled life balance. Demanding job, committed to the church, love mum, time for us boys. In fact, if you want to be a great dad, the best thing you can do is love your wife. Yeah? That she feels secure, loved, cherished. And in that environment, I believe, is the best place for kids to grow up. So if you want to be a great dad, love your wife. That's why I want to invite you to... Next Saturday morning's marriage enrichment seminar. Deb and I host this once a year because we want to invest in uh, marriages. So I'd like to invite you to come along. It's called Sex, Romance and God. It's a pretty fun morning. And uh, actually, if the teaching goes well, it'll be a pretty fun evening as well. Okay, all right? <laughs> so it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good fun. Yeah. That's true, honestly. Honestly. That's true, man. You, gotta, you, you, you know, the Bible says put into practice the teaching of the Word of God. So, uh, so, you know, some of you have just decided you're definitely coming now. So after that, okay. My dad had a remarkable and continues to have a remarkable work ethic. Had just massive capacity. Do you know you meet some people and you think, how do they do that? How do they do that? Well, my dad's a bit like that. Just massive capacity, massive emotional capacity to carry pressure. Uh, When I was growing up, I remember in my teen years, he was working at DuPont, a big American corporate company. Uh, He was an elder in the church. That meant Monday nights, all the elders' meetings were held in my house. Uh, so I grew up with the elders meeting, meeting Monday night every week uh, in my house here. And the elders sing and pray, and then I want to be in there to hear what they're talking about. But I obviously was never allowed until I was a bit older. While studying for a degree. Because all the graduates that were joining DuPont were coming with degrees, and therefore they, the, the company decided they want their senior management all to have degrees. So he then did a degree. So his week would go like this. He'd do Monday to Friday work, Monday evening elders meetings. Saturday morning he would be in his office studying for his degree. Then about 12, we'd jump in the car and drive down to see Crystal Palace, lose. And then uh, we'd see Grandma, who uh, living in the home my dad was um, brought up in. And then... Um, We'd drive back, and then he'd come to church on Sundays. And church, we were in a Baptist church. None of this one meeting, you know, none of this lightweight Christians. They did two meetings. So they were in the morning and in the evening uh, as one of the leaders, sometimes speaking or leading. And then Monday morning, back to work, and Monday evening, elders' meetings. That was just what he did. And that's the environment I grew up in. Uh, Massive capacity for work. Guys? I, I know the challenge of uh, holding down a demanding job and uh, looking after my wife and raising the kids and having time for them. It can be done, but it is a challenge. And you need to self-lead well. 
Um, and you have to balance multiple priorities. It's challenging, but it can be done. My dad loved and well, loves God and served the church. My dad has just finished managing a £500,000 building project. He's 80, can I remind you? Uh, and he was the uh, church administrator at the same time. So he basically balanced the whole budget. I mean, I'm saying to him on the phone, Dad, why are you doing this? You'll kill yourself, Dad. Oh, well, you know, I've still got something to bring and, and things like that. Amazing. He's just handed that over and so has embarked on a massive building project in the home that he's just bought. He wanted to downsize to a bungalow so that when he's not around, he said, that mum has a place that is really set for her. And so amazing. So he's now get, keeping ahead of that, transitioning well through the different seasons. And, um, I mean, we're all worried. What is he going to do once the house is done? We do not know. And mum doesn't know either. So pray for her. Uh, <laughs> At 28, he was a deacon in a Baptist church. Um, he has always served. In fact, partly for one period, for about five years, he got disconnected from the church. Now, fortunately, in God's grace, God got him back involved. But I do wonder what would have happened if he drifted. Uh, I wonder what would happen to me if he drifted. Yeah? So guys, you know, love God, serve the church, because behind you is a huge legacy, and let's make it a good one, yeah, because there can be times when the pressures come and you just drift and get disconnected. Are you a singer, guys? Do you sing out? My dad is a very loud singer. If my dad was here, he'd be sitting in the second row, and all the positive side of things I'd be saying would be going, Amen. You'd know. Yeah, yeah good point, Steve. And uh, things like that. He, he's a very loud singer. And as I grew up, I used to stand next to him in worship, and it was a Baptist church, and we'd have little green hymn books, and he'd be singing out. And about once a month, he would decide the organist was playing a hymn too slow. Okay? <laughs> Seriously, honestly. And he'd, he'd, he'd literally sing, oh, and he'd lean to me and say, oh, this is, awful. this is awful. And he would literally sing louder and quicker. <laughs> honestly, this is what I grew up with. The worship team here feel they have a hard time from the senior pastor. You know nothing compared to my dad. And he, if to take on the organist in the Baptist church, that's leadership. That's leadership. <laughs> And he would sing fastest until the whole congregation would keep up with him and the organist would catch up. <laughs> Honest, it's true. Yeah. But he wasn't religious. Yeah, he wasn't religious. He didn't sing in church and then be different at home. And nor was he over-spiritual. And so he understood for a young guy growing up in a church that was a bit traditional and he was struggling, he would have a laugh with me. So if we ever sang a hymn or any song that had the phrase eagles in, or eagle, he would lean over in the middle of the hymn, we'll be singing, he'd go, eagles. Uh, and, uh, which is uh, the palace kind of, uh, yeah, so, so we'd, we'd be worshipping Jesus and Crystal Palace would be getting praised as well. I mean, it was just, it kept it real for me. He would occasionally tell stories where he would ruin a worship song. He once said, I, just, I can never sing as the deer pants for water. 
I said, what do you mean? Do you know that one? Has the dear pants for the water so my soul longs after me. Oh, you all know. I'm just about to ruin it for you, okay? He said, whenever I see that song, I see pants on a washing line. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, you try and sing that song now, you've got that impression in it. I mean, it was, it was dead. We, I, we've never used it in corporate worship since. But it was fun. He, didn't, he, he, he was real, okay? He loved God. I had no doubt that he was serving passion for Jesus. Actually, at 53, he left his business career and became a church administrator. He said it was very different being in working for a church. It wasn't as high-powered as the corporate world he'd been in. And on Tuesday afternoons, one of his jobs was to take the dustbins out at the end of the day so they could be picked up the next morning. Hmm, that's impressive. Guys, if you want your kids to follow Jesus, if you want them to make good choices in their lives, sing, worship, honor God, uh, that's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. And I've seen some great parents who love God and sing loud. And the kids haven't come through. But don't, don't give up. God, God, uh, God is a God of prodigals. And they still see you following. Okay, it still speaks to them. But if you really want your kids to come through, the kids' work helps, the youth work helps. But ultimately, it's our responsibility. And the best thing you can do is to ensure that you... Uh, stay spiritually healthy yourself. Lastly, my dad was fun. He was fun to be with. He's always cracking a joke, even if they're the same ones. Even if mum still laughs at them, he was fun. Uh, but I guess if you're anything like me, you haven't always felt like this about your dad. Mark Twain famously said, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) Now, of course, as I'm speaking, there is a massive, massive elephant in the room. It's just huge. And in fact, as I'm speaking, it's like there's been a build-up of tension because the reality is, is that for many of us, or some of us here, our experience of our earthly father has not been as good as I've been able to testify. So it's huge. It's there. And I'm aware of it. In fact, my dad is not perfect. I've already said he wasn't very good at DIY. He doesn't know how to change a spark plug in a car. And he was strong, but if I wanted to talk to someone, I was always better to talk to my mum. In fact, I remember one occasion when I spoke to my dad about this girl that was the love of my life who just finished with me, and I was heartbroken, and he listened for a while, and then he said, don't worry, Steve, there are many more fish in the sea, which might be truth, okay? It is truthful, but it wasn't what I needed. That is why, if you look close at my right hand, I, my knuckle on the end of my right hand is gone because I was so annoyed with his advice, I hit a wall and broke my knuckle. Yeah. Such was his caring words at that moment. 
And when I was down at A&E and they asked me, how did you do it? I said, I decided it would be better to hit the wall than my father. <laughs> Which was a joke, because I would never have hit my dad. But the doctor went, <laughs> don't joke with doctors. They think you're telling the truth. They had no sense of humor at all, okay? No, no, too late. But for some of you, this has been a particularly difficult message. The scripture says, honour your fathers. Uh, but some of you, this is difficult because you might never have known your father, or your father left you when you were young, and uh, you're, you're wondering, how can I honour my dad? Well, you can, probably. You might have to work hard to find a good gift. Hopefully many of you will be able to so, well, he was good at that. He wasn't so good at those things, but he was good at that. Can I just make a couple of pastoral comments? Firstly, do not be defined by your upbringing. Don't become a victim, in other words. Don't come to a point where if this all happened to me and this person didn't do this and that. You can live a life like that. It can even become your identity. Ah, don't let that be your story. Self-awareness on what was good and bad is helpful. And then, ah, self-lead out of it. Talk it out. Get help. Get counsel. Take it to God. Don't become a victim. Secondly, do not live in reaction to your upbringing. I meet people sometimes who just think, what is driving this person? What, why is this person making these choices? Well, sometimes it's because you're in reaction to something. And lastly, do not repeat. Do not repeat. If your dad was unfaithful, be faithful. Uh, It's strange, isn't it? I always find this strange. They say that you're more likely to be an alcoholic if your dad was an alcoholic. Such is the power of modeling, maybe. Where you would think that seeing the consequences of a certain type of behavior... You would do everything not to repeat. So don't repeat. The way to resolve uh, areas where you have been let down or even sinned against is to forgive. So you really find freedom from the negatives of bad parenting through forgiveness. Now the trouble with forgiveness sometimes is you feel like that's letting people off. Don't misunderstand forgiveness and justice. Justice ultimately is with God, and justice will be done. Forgiveness is a way of letting go of the pain and forgiving the person so that you can move on in your life and fulfill all God wants you to be and do. But today is about honouring fathers. And so I have one pastoral application for each of us. Now, if your father is dead, then you can still honour him. You can give thanks to our perfect Heavenly Father. And maybe in a moment when we sing, you can do that. Uh, Thank you for my dad. I miss him. Uh, Thank you, God, for this thing you did for me. But I'm going to ask each of us to do a really brave thing. Some of us can do it here and now. We can literally walk across the room and do it. Others of us might need to pick up the phone or get a card or send an email. But what I'd like us all to do is to honor our fathers. So think of one thing you could give thanks for, for your dad. I've given 
some examples of where I've been fortunate to be able to be able to honour my dad publicly here uh, today. But that's it. I would like to challenge you, encourage you, employ you to uh, think, pray, and then move and act. And uh, thank either your heavenly Father for something that God, uh, thank uh, that your earthly Father did. Or if your dad's still alive, why don't you express thanks? And some of you think, I mean, I don't know if I could say anything good to Mama. But ultimately, he he gave you life, actually. Uh, He did give you life. And um, hopefully you've got more to express than that. In the end, all earthly fathers fall short of our perfect heavenly father. The one thing we can all do is come to a God who is perfect, who's holy, who's loving, who's consistent, who's faithful, who's kind, who's truthful, who brings security. And so maybe it would be appropriate before I pray is to invite the, just the band to come back up and we'll sing together and let's, uh, let's look to our Heavenly Father who uh, we can trust whatever happens and uh, is faithful towards us.